This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. The total Jew for me and you. The things we're trying to explore here is the question of attitudes, <clears throat> the kind of things that we take for granted, and um, some of them are productive and some of them are uh, counterproductive. So we really have to uh, sometimes think about how we react to things and how we look at things in our lives, everyday events, and just decide whether these are things we have to try to work on or things that we can just, uh, you know, leave as they are. Maybe they're good things and uh, they're worth preserving. I'm not saying you have to throw out everything. I'm just saying you have to kind of evaluate, <clears throat> not take things for granted and how we look at things. I remember that uh, when I was quite young, um, there was a period of time that I was faced with a number of um, uh, situations that were quite close to one another in proximity, in which I was very uh, much uh, made aware that when you want to carry out any particular plan, if you're something that you want to do, uh, get something done, whatever, there's um, a lot of different aspects to it that you kind of take for granted and you just kind of assume that everything's going to happen the way you expect it to. And then all of a sudden, you became you become very um, uh, rudely aware of the fact that it's really kind of amazing when everything goes the way you want it to because there's a lot of different things that fall into place. Just a simple thing. You're going someplace to do something. You want to see something somewhere and, you know, is the car going to work and is the is, is there going to be places, you know, for you when you get there? And all kinds of different factors that, um, that can get in the way of a plan being actually uh, following through and, and, and being accomplished. So one of the things that that, that uh, got me to uh, appreciate is the aspect of hashkocha pratis in anything that you actually get to, to do and it comes out the way you originally planned it to, to happen. There's all kinds of things that could go wrong. And you kind of assume that everything's going to kind of go right, except maybe the major things, but really there's a lot of minor things that can go wrong. I mean, you lose the keys or the car won't start or something like that, things that you just don't anticipate too often. And if it's really, uh, you know, for whatever, whatever you want to ascribe it to, bad muzzle or whatever it is, things, some things don't happen. So anyway, at that point, I, I really started to realize how complicated things really are. The trouble with that is, is that sometimes then you become fearful of planning anything because you figure, you know, how is this all going to happen? And that comes down to betochen because then you have to realize that Hashem is very much involved and you have to ask Hashem, basically, if you want to do anything, that it should be successful and it should come out, you know, the way you had planned it to go. Um, and this comes down to, to, to a large extent to, to the question of pessimism versus optimism. There's a person that is pessimistic, is usually looking at the worst possible scenario and all the things that could go wrong. And then very often does not want to take positive action because they uh, can see in advance the, the blackest possible picture. Then on the other hand, there's very optimistic people that are looking at uh, how it's going to look if everything goes right. And then they just uh, want to uh, go ahead with it 
because they see the glorious future ahead of them when everything happens the way they want it to, to go. And uh, the question is uh, if that's really going to happen or not. So sometimes they can, you know, to the point of foolhardiness where they just don't even consider that things could go wrong and then you just kind of uh, uh, go into... Uh, go into projects that are maybe prone to failure because they just are not thinking critically enough about all the factors that are involved. But what I want to talk about today is a, is a, just a story that happened to me uh, very recently. And I, um, I think it's a Musar Haskell, they say. It's kind of a, something we can learn from in terms of uh, the power, I think, of, of, of tefillah and the power of uh, you know, positive thinking, whatever it is, the, the power of, of uh, looking at at the best possible scenario as opposed to always the, the worst possible scenario. Because stories like this, it's a little embarrassing to talk about it because I, I should definitely have been more careful. I was uh, quite negligent. Uh, what I was doing was taking my tefillin, Rabbeinu Tam, which I had taken out of my regular talis bartle, you know, the, the, whole, uh, the whole collection of my tefillin, and rashi tefillin, and the talis, and, and the, which is usually together with all that, which is a big, a big thing. Um, but on Friday, I take it home, uh, because we have a certain minute to be Mabaseder with the Rebbeinu Tansel, whatever it is, and then I have to bring it back on Sunday. So, uh, and I just take it out, of the, I don't want to carry the whole thing home, because I just need that, so I just take that home. So when I was bringing it back Sunday morning, at the same time I was bringing, I was taking the garbage out, which, you know, Motsi Shabbos, after Shabbos, we, we do. Um, and, um, and I had a towel in the other hand, because I was taking that to the mikvah, whatever. So I had all this stuff I was carrying. And I go up to the garbage, and I'm thinking about something else. And unfortunately, both the tefillin and, uh, and the garbage were in the same hand. And we have this uh, situation, this, this system in Eretz where they have these very large um, green garbage cans, which are dug into the earth. They're, um, they're submerged in, in the earth, and they go very deep. I don't know how many deep they are. They're probably about, I don't know, 12 feet deep or something like that. And then they fill them up, and when they fill it up, then, they, then they, uh, the truck comes and it picks it up, and it's a whole thing. They, they, they open the bottom of it, and all goes into the truck, and that's when they take out the garbage. So um, this happened to be one of those uh, garbage receptacles, and now my tefillin was at the bottom of this receptacle. It had, it had just recently been emptied, so it was mamash on the bottom. If, you know, if it had been high enough up, if there was enough garbage already in it, then I would have been able to maybe just go in there and, and, and get it out. But as it was, it was much, if I had gone in there, uh, I wouldn't have been able to get out. And um, I probably might have gotten actually hurt getting, getting into it. And um, this was also like 6.30 in the morning. There was nobody I could really call to help. So I was stuck with the situation, which I do, just sit there and wait for, you know, who knows what. Uh, and I figured, look, it's in a safe place. Nobody's, it's the, no garbage truck is going to uh, empty it because it was already emptied just just <laughs> very recently. There's almost nothing in it. And um, I can't call anybody now anyway, so I might as well just go and daven. And uh, soon after, right after davening, I'll come back and I'll figure something out. 
Now, I happen to notice that on the corner, right next to this garbage thing, there's a truck. And the truck has a ladder on top of it. <clears throat> so I figured, look, it's a very simple solution. If everything works out, is I can just call the guy. His phone number was on the truck. And he's actually he was a, a, a heating, you know, cooling repairman. So you know, these kinds of people have to climb up all over the place. They have these, uh, these aluminum ladders. So they have the ladder, and... Um, and I figured I would just call him and uh, ask him if he's, uh, if he's still there, <laughs> um, that, uh, you know, please come up and, and help, help me get this, get my phone out of the garbage. Okay, so whatever, I went, and, I, and as I'm going, now this is, this is the kind of the, the interesting part of it, is, is the psychology that goes along with these things. Even though I already had kind of a plan, and I thought that, you know, I, I should be able to, you know, I mean, if everything works out, that's a reasonable plan to accomplish this thing. Um, I didn't yet know if the, if the um, uh, ladder would fit into the garbage thing because it just had a kind of a um, narrow uh, entrance to it on the top, you know, where you throw the garbage in. Um, and I figured that um, it's, it's, it's reasonable that I should be able to do it, but, uh, but as the mind works, you start to think about all the things that could go wrong. And uh, first of all, I was thinking, I mean, it was going to take out the garbage, but, you know, what about, well, I don't know how many people bring their garbage in, um, you know, throw the garbage in uh, Sunday morning after Shabbos, and it could get totally filled up or, or you know, halfway filled up or something. It would be very difficult to get down there to, you know, pull out all that stuff and, and, and uh, uh, dig down to the bottom of the thing to be able to find number one. Number two, um, it could be the guy will be gone by then. It could be that the water won't fit. It could be that he just won't want to help me. <laughs> it could be that, uh, uh, you know, then I have to find a, a ladder from someplace else, uh, start calling people around and everything. I had all kinds of uh, misgivings about, you know, what all the things that could go wrong. And then, um, then I happened to meet, meet on the way to the show. I met, I met a fellow who's uh, kind of a, an Askin, and I asked him, he was a guy who's... Uh, deals with this kind of stuff. And I asked him if uh, he has any suggestions, anybody that he knows, and he told me a guy that's really um, very, um, very active uh, in, in the government, in the city government. And, you know, I would give him, a, he gave me his phone number, though, and it was, he was thinking that the only way to get this thing out is going to have to call the city, and they're going to have to come up with a truck, or who knows what, and, and, and make a whole big deal about it, and maybe empty all the garbage out, and I'm going to have to go sit through all the garbage, and who knows what's going to happen. So I figured that's really a last resort. So, uh, but it could happen, you know, what I, who knows, make a whole balagan. So I uh, continued to show, and I figured, you know, I was figured, you know, Hashem's in control, He's, and, and, and after all, you know, Hashem wants me to, to, to like, fill in. This is like, I'm doing this for him, so, you know, why should, uh, it's not just my own idea, you know, this is for Hashem himself. So, I figured, why not ask for the best? Instead of, instead of focusing on all these terrible things that could happen, why not just daven and say, you know, Hashem, work this out for me so it should happen in the best possible way, like I originally planned. You know, he should 
be there, and he should, you know, the ladder should fit, and I should be able to get in there without having a whole bunch of stuff to sift through to get to it. And, uh, and, and you know, there's a, there is a, a possibility of here, here of it going smoothly, so why not ask for that? You know, put my hopes in, in the best possible situation. And then I'll be able to daven fairly in a relaxed way, not have to be all uh, hyped up over this thing. And uh, I figured that's the best approach. So I, and, and I was a little bit, even a little bit uh, uh, having misgivings about if I should have left the tefillin there, and maybe I should have stood there the whole time and not gone to Davin. But anyway, this is what I decided to do. And, uh, and by Shomei tefillin, that's what I asked for. I asked for that, you know, this should go in the best possible way. Just like, kind of like I envisioned it. Whatever. So immediately after davening, I went back, and sure enough, the, uh, I looked into the garbage, and it was still empty, pretty much. I mean, there was nothing, nothing else that had been put in there significantly. And, um, and I took my garth lot, and I measured the opening to the, uh, to the uh, garbage, and I measured the uh, ladder on the guy's truck, and it looked to me like it should be able to fit. And um, I opened the phone. I, 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 uh, I, I called him up. And sure enough, he was home. And not only was he home, but he asked me where I was. And I said, up there, he says, I'm coming in a minute. So this is quite amazing. First of all, he answered the phone, which is something. And first of all, the truck was still there. Second of all, he, was, he answered the phone. Third of all, he says, I'll come right up. So he comes up, and he's a young guy, you know, agile, uh, skinny guy. And uh, he said, ain't no even on his truck. So I knew he was a uh, person. And, um, and he uh, asked me, well, why not? I told him. He picked the, immediately, without any question, he immediately took down his ladder. No, he did ask me if, he, if I thought it would fit, and I said, yeah, I think you can, you can maneuver it in. So he took the, the ladder, and he opened it up, and he offered himself to go down and get it. So and I told him basically where, what it looks like and where it is, and sure enough, two minutes. He went down, came up with the thing, put his ladder back on the truck, and that was it. Okay, so... Bikitzer, in, in short, this was every, the best possible scenarios. Everything that I thought of, that, you know, all those pieces, all those, those, uh, those uh, pieces of the puzzle that I thought would have to work out, did in the best possible way. And he smiled, and he was happy about it, and it was like it took him five minutes, and, and uh, 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 he got a bit out of it, and I, uh, <laughs> I got my film back. You know, but for this, it's, it's an expensive thing. It's, it's worth about, you know, a few thousand dollars. Anyway, so uh, by now, you know, so I got it from a Choshev a long time ago. Anyway, so the point is that, that everything happened the way I wanted it to happen. And I felt like, you know, why not ask for it? And why not put your mind in that state of like, you know, this could really, why shouldn't this work out in the best way it could? You could say on one, on one hand that everything that should work, you know, should fall into place like that is, is not so probable. But on the other hand, what does probability have to do with it? I mean, if Hashem wants it to go smoothly, it'll go smooth. It's not, it's not a, really a problem. So this, I, I, I and, and there's also an idea of track gut that sign gut, which is this idea that if you think positively, it has a very good chance, I, I mean, it will actually... Uh, cause. It's a, it's a causative thing. It, it causes the thing to end up positively. Because you thought positively, and we learned that from Nochemish uh, Gamzu, uh, that, uh, that whole story about the, the stones, that um, 
that the very fact that you believe that it is for the best makes it happen for the best, and it really does work out in the end. So, so uh, and certainly you have no benefit in thinking of the whole downside. I mean, if things hadn't worked out and I had to have to go to the sky to in the city government to, to work on the whole thing, then it would have been probably a long, drawn-out thing and very unpleasant, but, you know, I, I could have handled it that way also, and worse than what's worse, I didn't buy, buy a new pair of the film. But I'm just saying, you know, why not hope for the best? Why not think, you know, this could really work out you know, in the best possible way? And then and your attitude itself could affect the outcome. So the point is that I think that this is a, a, a failure that we have many times, is by trying to so-called be realistic and think of, you know, that, uh, not have our, you know, too high expectations or something like that. We tend to think of worst possible scenarios instead of best possible scenarios. And- Okay, and the other thing I wanted to uh, expand this a little bit, just to mention that I think the fact that I had a fairly clear uh, vision of a possible solution. In other words, I had in my mind a way that this could be settled pretty simply. And I think that that's also a factor. It's not a necessary thing because, you know, blind faith and, uh, is, is really a matter of trusting Hashem that things are going to work out even if you don't have any idea how they could work out. That's really the, you know, Gamsa Litoyeva is, is a way of seeing a very bleak situation and, and just uh, having the token to believe that this really is specifically, you know, Davka done in this way for a reason and that it had to be done for this in this way for a reason, then that's the best possible way it can happen. So that's, you know, I'm not saying that this is necessary to do. All I'm saying is, is that it makes it easier to, uh, to be positive about something, that something can work out, if you have an idea about how it could work out. And then you have something to ask Hashem for that, um, that in your mind at least is not you know, being on a, on a nace, you're not, you're not relying on miracles. You're, you're, working, you're, you're dealing with something, you're, you're giving Hashem basically a way to do this that in a way that could be, um, it's not too hard to pull off. You're not asking for anything really, really special. Um, and again, if it, can't, if it doesn't have a simple solution, so, you know, so go for the more, the, the more uh, elaborate solution or don't ask for a particular specific solution at all which is also perfectly, perfectly acceptable. I'm just saying that, that for the person themselves, it's easier for a person to keep a, a positive and optimistic outlook if they can, if they can envision <clears throat> a way that things could, could work out fairly simply. It, it, might, it also happens, you know, uh, sometimes that having a plan helps because if at a certain point you're required to make a decision of what to do, you know, how to go this way or go that way and how to, how to handle it. And if you have something specific in mind of a possible way to handle it, so then if you have something already in mind, that's, that's uh, it's going to be a plus. But 
Uh, what I'm saying is, is, that, is that in general, if we think of things as being possible, if that they're not totally, you know, asking for too much, then we uh, can have, a, have an easier time staying positive about it because we don't think of it as being totally off the wall. Um, and I think this is, this is a, uh, something that we can use on a daily basis in one of the areas that I think is one of the most um, difficult for some people, uh, and certainly at certain times, is the concept of Mashiach and, and you know, bringing the, you know, Mashiach Tzachim, as you say, the, the, the times of Hashem's, uh, uh, you know, the, the total ge'ula, when they're going to be redeemed and uh, all this. We, um, if we can, first of all, envision to some extent what that's going to be like, even though we know that in many ways we have no conception whatsoever and whatever we think could be totally false. But I'm just saying for ourselves to be able to use our imagination to think up a positive thing that, that we can look forward to and we can envision and we can see as being something that could really happen, uh, I think is, is, a, is a plus in terms of keeping that, that uh, positive outlook. So, for example, in terms of Mashiach, Mashiach seems to be something that's totally, and this is really a subject for its own, its own uh, discussion, but just uh, in, in the context that we're talking about already, Mashiach seems to be something that we can't possibly imagine world with no Yitzhahara and uh, with no uh, pain or suffering or anything like that, and, and that we're still motivated to, to serve Hashem just out of love. And it's, it's, it's really an incredible idea. But if we have something specific in mind that we can relate to, that we can think, you know, yeah, I can see a world being like that. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure everybody's conception will be different, but it's got to, it, it, it's, it's, it, and it should be a mature thing, not just a childish kind of expectation, but something that that really has some basis to it um, in terms of what Chazal already told us about what, what that time is going to be like. And then if we can even come to some idea of how maybe that could actually uh, work out in terms of uh, also, again, based on what Chazal told us already about how Mashiach is going to happen. Um, if you can see that it's being real, then it's not just a dream. Because dreams, we tend to uh, distrust or we try and tend to kind of put them on the back burner and not really uh, think of them as being imminent or think of them as being, as being something that we'll actually be able to see in our lifetimes because uh, it just seems too far out. But if we can think of it in a more realistic way, and one of the th- ways that I think is, is very, very, uh, is, is certainly the obvious uh, way to use our imagination for that is to realize that Hashem gave us Shabbos as a foretaste of Oilam Haba, to be able to see that such an existence, I mean, if we really experience Shabbos the right way and, uh, and have a meaningful and, uh, and uplifting Shabbos, uh, that, that's something that, that we really um, look forward to and prepare for. Um, that is a, a foretaste of what Mashiach's time is going to be like. So on the one hand, if we don't have a geschmack in Shabbos, if we don't feel that kind of uh, spiritual pleasure and that kind of fulfillment through the, our experience of Shabbos, it's, a, it's kind of a warning. It's kind of, a, it's kind of a tell us, telling us, well, we better work on it until we do feel something uh, positive about, you know, about that experience because otherwise you know, we must be doing something wrong. Um, 
and uh, it's up to us to, to build that kind of a Shabbos, which is indeed a, um, an uplifting time. And we have to be able to uh, envision that as something that we could do all the time, because, you know, Yom Shikula Shabbos, that's a time which will always be, which will be the whole, the whole week will also be Shabbos, at least in, in, in a significant degree. Um, and that that should be, a, you know, a time that we really it's, we would appreciate that being all the time. So um, once we have that firmly in mind, that that's what Shabbos can be, and we work towards that on the, at least one day a week, so then we can uh, look more forward to the concept of that being a, the goal and the tactless of, of everything we do in life is to, to bring that to be and to you know, every, everything we can to promote that that ideal, and to, um, and to, and also says, like it says, that we should have joy in the concept of what that salvation will be like, or is it that, what that, that ge'ula is going to be, is going to look like, and that's something that we really uh, want to happen, and we do expect it imminently, and uh, uh, I, I don't think we should get too engrossed in how it can happen, but I think we have to see that as being a, a political reality, because we talk about, you know, the kinds of even if it involves Hevle Mashiach, whatever it is, the, uh, the tribulations preceding Mashiach's coming, uh, which we can always find in our own lifetimes. Uh, and so we see many of those, uh, those signs uh, right now, what's going on. So it's, it's a concept of keeping that always in mind. You know, there, there were stories of Sadiqim that were always, you know, had the, 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 their uh, shoes at the, at the, the clothes at the, at the edge of the bed, you know, ready to jump into the shoes as soon as you know, the shape happened any time. So this idea that there's constant readiness and, um, and this, uh, this, this tremendous optimism, and it's a, it's a simcha, it's, it's, a, it's a cause for simcha. On the one hand, it's, it's, uh, it's a cause of some frustration that he's not here yet, but the very fact that we're working towards that and that we really believe it is going to happen whenever it does is uh, something that, that really transforms our lives into being something positive as opposed to negative. And that is, again, that we talked about the idea of, of meeting the challenges of the times because what's going on in the Goyesha belt in the, in the secular world uh, is extremely negative. I mean, you've got so many uh, negative, um, you know, negative forecasts for what the future is supposed to be like between uh, you know, the, uh, the environment uh, collapsing and the sun's going to blow up and, and, uh, and, and, and racial tensions and you know, there seems to be nothing to live for and uh, tremendous, very, very dire uh, predictions about what the future of the world is. So it gives people, uh, first of all, a reason not to want to do anything for their own lives because they figure that it's, gonna, it's, it's not going to last anyway. And also, even they don't, they don't want to get married and have children because they figure, how are they going to bring up children in, in this kind of a world, which is already an old story, and that's one of the reasons why we have like zero minus population growth in, uh, most of the, in a lot of the Western world right now. So the point is that, that, uh, that we have to uh, understand and appreciate just how uh, nogeya, just how relevant our mindset and the way we look at the world and the possibilities of the world and whether the, the ultimate uh, future is, is good or bad is extremely, extremely relevant to our everyday life and, our, and the way we structure our life, the kind of you know, goals that we have and the kinds of, of, of hopes that we have and everything else. And hope is probably the strongest thing we have to uh, combat uh, any kinds of uh, depression and, uh, and uh, hopelessness or I mean, 
lack of, uh, of direction. Yeah, so um, what I do want to mention is that um, there was a movement, uh, still is for that matter, and, and <laughs> has been for a long time, um, but this particular book came out about uh, 15 years ago, something like that, um, called The Secret. I don't know if people remember that. Uh, it made quite a splash. And um, this whole thing about uh, law of attraction and <coughs> trying to manifest things by thinking about what you want uh, as if it's already happened. And then... Uh, that you're just going to receive it from someplace and with a, with a kind of a certainty. And that, um, that um, got a great deal of attention during its time. Uh, a lot of criticism also. It was represented as kind of a scientific type of thing. And what's interesting is that in terms of what effect it had, uh, you could say that... Um, it was kind of quasi-religious or spiritual while putting itself off as kind of scientific at the same time. Um, the thing, the, the reason why I would not want to really compare what I'm talking to about uh, to that is because, although it has something to do with positive thinking, um, is that that is kind of a self-serving type of uh, method it was the whole idea is about getting what you want. So what I'm talking about here and the whole concept of Gamsu de Toiva is basically a justification of what has already happened and how to deal with something that's happened. If there is something, a situation has arisen which you now have to deal with, so the question is how do you deal with that? So as I said, you know, there's nothing wrong with coming up with your own possible solutions as long as you don't limit the solutions to what you've thought of. In other words, I, think it's, I think it is... Uh, positive to try to find your own solutions. Um, so that would kind of go against this idea of the law of attractions. It doesn't seem to concentrate on the how at all. You just kind of let it happen after you've thought of it, of what you just determine what you want. And the other thing is there, you're, you're kind of, in a sense, trying to manipulate things for your own benefit. As I said, there's the positive aspect is at least you recognize that there is a power in the universe outside of yourself that is uh, responsible for your well-being, but on the other hand, that's all dependent on yourself anyway because it comes back to your own thoughts. And the other thing is that it's, it's just uh, making the whole idea of a, of a force in the universe as being kind of anonymous and, and nothing to do with the creator or you know, the personal type of God that we have, uh, in, certainly in, in Yiddishkeit. So there's a lot of problems with trying to compare it to that uh, that approach, although, as I said, it does have some similarities, but I wouldn't really compare what I'm talking about to that. Again, what I'm saying is, is, that, um, is that when we're forced to confront a situation which could be uh, damaging or could be uh, have, have some kind of a negative uh, impact, that if we look at the best possible scenario and ask for that, so we're talking again about asking, not just manifesting, but asking Hashem for that, that Hashem should help us in the situation because then when we do get the solution, we thank Hashem for it, it brings us closer to Hashem. So there's, uh, we're supposed to daven, we're supposed to ask for the things that we need. Um, but the trouble is that, as I said, the Yitzhahara 
our, our negative side very often um, takes over, and we end up thinking about the possible uh, uh, outcomes of the situation being so negative that we it, it, it uh, sabotages our desire even to to take positive action. Um, so, as opposed to this uh, secret idea that was criticized that people would not take action for themselves because they just expect it to happen, um, as opposed to doing doing something about it, and I'm not saying that at all. Anyway, so this is the, uh, just wanted to, you know, as I'm trying to always uh, uh, compare this to how it relates to secular society as a whole and, and what the trends are in, in society in, that are similar or whatever to what we're talking about, and in this case, I'm, I want to make that distinction. <clears throat> 